Psalm 144. Find some happy people in this place today. Hallelujah. If you're happy and knowing, your face will surely show it. Your face will show it. You don't have to ask, is a dog happy? You can tell when a dog's happy. All right, Psalm 144, verse 15. Are you there? Okay, let's read this together. Ready, read. Happy are the people who are in such a state. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Happy are the people who are in such a state. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Is the Lord your God? All right, then we're supposed to be happy people. In fact, the happiest people on this planet. Amen? So, Father, thank you today for the word we're about to receive. We thank you, that Father, that no distraction, no hindrance can stop the flow of the word. Lord, <laughs> Jesus preached without technology. None of that was even around for him. He used the technology of the sea or the mountains to carry his voice. He didn't have PowerPoint presentation manager. He didn't have Facebook and YouTube. He didn't have any of that stuff, and yet... In three and a half years, he changed the world through his ministry. Because people, your word says people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. So I pray today that God, that corporately, Lord, you would see us pressing upon you to hear the word of God. That we press in to receive. And we get every hindrance and distraction out of our minds and open our spirits up to receive the word of God. We command our souls to bless the Lord. Command our souls to line itself up with the word of God so that, God, we can hear. Speak, Lord, for your servants. We hear, we intend to obey, we receive your word with thanksgiving. We pray in Jesus' name, so be it. Amen, amen. and amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right. So we've been talking about, and I think this is, this, is, this is it here, on this, the picture of happiness. We've been talking about happiness here for the last uh, few weeks, and um, God wants us happy. And if you don't know that by now, you hadn't been listening, you hadn't been paying attention. And if you're not happy by now, you've not been applying. Huh? Huh? Come on now, if you're happy and you know it, your face is surely short. If, you've not been, if you're not happy right now, you've not been applying what we've been talking about. Remember I said this last week, one thing to hear it or know it, it's a whole other thing to do it. Okay? You can't, you can't uh, be unhappy and you're doing the word of God. The Bible says happy is he who keeps the law or happy is he who does the word. Well, I got one person happy. Amen. Now, we've been talking about covetousness. 
It bears reading again, Luke 12, 15. Everybody brought your Bible today? You better have because <laughs> you got to follow along today, praise the Lord. And if you brought your little cell phone, your little device, and you don't have a 3G, 4G service, then um, you're in trouble too. No Wi-Fi, no in internet today. Praise the Lord. Okay, so Luke 12, verse 15, are you there? Yes, sir. <clears throat> and he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. Take heed and beware of covetousness, covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. So Jesus uh, hit on this issue of covetousness and uh, the Holy Ghost got us on this here. And again, it wasn't my intention to deal with this, but the Holy Ghost had to deal with some things in us because, again, uh, my Lord is getting us ready for that great day. And when I say that, I'm not talking about that day we go back to glory, you know, live, with he live in heaven forever because in heaven, you're not going to have to even, there won't be anything to be covetous about. I mean, everybody's going to have a mansion in heaven to, to some degree. <laughs> uh, everybody's going to be rewarded in heaven. Covetousness is an issue down here. And the great day we're looking for is a day of recompense. It's the day, um, glory to God. Well, I don't want to go there. Let me just tell you, in Luke 4, Jesus is preaching, and he talks, he says in Luke 4, right around verse 18, y'all turning there? Okay, all right. Luke 4, right around verse 18, Jesus starts preaching. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor and so forth. He goes through these few things. But he stops and said, at the point where he says, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Yes. Right? Yes. But when he's preaching, he's referencing Isaiah and Isaiah chapter 61. Y'all remember that? Yes, and in Isaiah 61, you go back to that, and Jesus preached as far as Verse 2, part A. It's not on your screen. You're going to look in your Bible. Some of y'all is looking at the screen still. You're going to look, you're going to look in your Bible. It's in Isaiah 61, verse 2, part A. Notice he says, it says there to proclaim the acceptable of the Lord. Now he stopped because in his time, in his ministry, that's as far as he was taking us, the people. But after he left, remember he said in John, it's to your advantage that I go away because if I go away, the Holy Spirit can come. So now when Jesus Christ leaves the planet, the Holy Ghost is going to come and take over ministry. And so we're in, the, we're in the dispensation of the Holy Ghost, right? He lives in us. So then, I remember Isaiah wasn't finished, he wasn't finished prophesying here. So the Holy Ghost picks up where Jesus Christ left off. And so the very next thing after acceptable year of the Lord, or we can say the day of, the, of salvation, or the day of the Lord, is and the day of vengeance of our God. So that great day is a day of vengeance of our God. Vengeance, then don't think about people being killed. Think about God uh, taking back from the enemy everything he's stolen. And he goes on to say, verse, in verse 2, to comfort all who mourn. 
Okay, this is the Holy Ghost ministry here. To console those who mourn in Zion. Now, Zion is always a reference up to the church. Got it? All right. To give them what? The oil of joy for what? The garment of praise for what? Glory to God. That they may be called what? The planting of the Lord. That he may be glorified. Now, I don't have time to keep reading, but if you were to read verses 4, go all the way down to verse 7, you'll see several other things that, that are happening in, in our day. <laughs> okay, you can read. You can, you can see all kind of stuff in there. One, one I keep talking to people about is, is in uh, verse 6. Well, you should be named the priest of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of, of the Lord. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles and glory, and in their glory you shall boast. Do y'all see that? Uh, y'all listen to me, right? You shall be named the priests of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of our God. You shall eat. This is those in Zion. You shall eat or enjoy or live on the riches of the Gentiles. I taught y'all that a few weeks, couple weeks ago here about all the Gentile riches being stored up for the last day. So this is our day here. And then it says, and uh, in their glory you shall, you shall boast. That word boast, if you look it up in the Hebrew, literally means exchange. So God's going to bring an exchange. Y'all remember this movie uh, years ago, Eddie Murphy, Dan Aykroyd, called Trading Places? Don't be ashamed of you. Just, it's all right. I remember, Pastor. I remember. So in this movie, you saw uh, uh, Eddie Murphy play this this character uh, who was on the on the streets. He was, you know, he was a con man, trickster on the streets. And Dan Aykroyd was a guy who worked in Wall Street. You know, suit, tie. You know. Uh, limousine to work, lived in a penthouse, all this kind of stuff like that. And so as the story goes, if you watched it, they traded places. Uh, by, uh, not, not by their own works, but the works of somebody else who was in charge. So you are going to be trading places, not by your own works, but by the works of someone else who's in charge. That's why when you read uh, Mark 10, we don't have the screen, so you got to just know this scripture. Mark 10 and verse 31, Jesus said, and the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. That's right after verse 30, when he starts talking about nobody who's received, uh, nobody who's given, you know, house and land and father and mother and so forth, who shall not receive, in verse 30, a hundredfold now in this time. Mothers and children and lands and so on and so forth. With persecution. And then he goes to verse 31. And the first shall be last. Many who are first shall be last. And many who are last shall be first. What's happening? You're trading places. Are you seeing me here? So I've been talking about this issue of covetousness because, because well, the Lord's been telling us about this. Because you can't be a covetous person and be in position to receive what God wants to do what God wants to give because God's not going to take it from the wicked rich and give it to the right to the religious or the saved people who are still battling with covetousness 
because they'll, all you do is do the same thing the, the wicked rich did with it. You'll take all the, all the wealth, all the millions and billions that God wants to bring into your hands, and you'll just go buy your boat and a, and a condo in Mexico, and you'll be gone all the time, you know, tripping on yourself and still not meeting the needs of the poor and the orphans and the widows and helping to get the gospel out. So he's not going to bless you for you to destroy yourself. Prosperity destroys a fool. Okay? So we're going to make sure we're not fools. Y'all listening to this. All right, now, so Jesus said, I'm <laughs> going back to Jesus Christ, beware of covetousness here. Okay? Now, go to 1 Timothy 6. I got to use my Bible this morning. 1 Timothy 6. I'm so used to the media helping me out. We have a wonderful media team. Come on, give them a big hand. First Timothy 6, verse 17. Are you there? Tell your neighbor, this is for you. Just push him in the shoulder and arm and tell him, this is for you. Command those who are rich. He ain't talking about me. Yes, this is for you. <laughs> Command those who are rich in this present age. Pastor, I'm not rich. Well, what's, what do you mean you're not rich? What do you mean you're not rich? Second uh, Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, Yet for your sakes, come on, what happened? He became poor that you through his might become rich. So Jesus Christ did that on the cross for you to already become rich. So everybody say, I'm rich. Y'all said that like you're just thinking about it. Uh, Revelation 2. Let me just, just throw this out at you. I'm trying to help people. Revelation 2, verse 8. Above this, in my Bible, it says the persecuted church. The blessing with persecution. He says, and to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write, these things says the first and the last, capitalized, yes. who was dead and came to life. So who, who is this talking? Jesus. Jesus. Verse 9, watch this. Watch this, Deke. Y'all front row. Y'all see this right here, front row? I know your works, tribulation, and poverty. Parenthesis. <laughs> Y'all so... This for the, for the fifth row down there, fifth row. I know your works, tribulation, and poverty, but you are rich. <laughs> See, here's a problem. The problem is what he's saying to them is in this, you keep reading it in that chapter. They didn't realize what they were. He goes on to another church and he tells them, you all say you're rich, say you're wealthy, but he said, but you're really poor. He said, because y'all have done all this stuff without me. 
Y'all are really broke. He said, but to this church, he said, y'all been persecuted. You got tribulation. He said, you're living in poverty. He said, but you're rich. The problem was they were so focused on their tribulation, so focused on their persecution, they, they, couldn't, they, they didn't get the revelation that they were already rich. So tell your neighbor, I see how you're living. I see how you're driving. I see how you're looking. But you are rich. So you got to go ahead and get this poverty stuff out of your mind. Get your job. Well, I only make $17 an hour or whatever, you know. Get out of your mind. I don't. I can't even find a job. That has nothing to do with you being rich. I don't have a degree. That has nothing to do with you being rich. If he says you are rich. Now, my Bible, that's in red. And so Jesus says, but you are rich. But you are rich. Thomas, you're rich. As far as Jesus is concerned. You understand? This is him talking. So in other words, he's saying, as far as I'm concerned, you are rich. I just, see, this, I'm, I'm going to deal with this sometime in this next, before this year is out, by taking the brakes off. Because the whole, one, part of the idea about that with God telling me was that, is that we got to really catch up to God. We got to start moving at God's speed. And at God's speed, he already sees us way on down the road somewhere. But we're just kind of muddling around about, well, you know, I'm trying to calculate, you know, when I'm trying to figure out how many hours I can get and, you know, if I can find another little job to pay me another $2 an hour, you know, maybe I'll do Shut up, man. How can two walk together except they agree? Amos 3.3. So you would need to go and agree with God. If he says, but you are rich. He said, but you are rich. Y'all, God said you are rich. So stop walking around talking about now I'm broke, it's cool to brown. Boy, I'm, it's not, stop, get, all this, get all this ghetto hood vernacular out of your vocabulary. Okay, so you are rich. So we back in First Timothy, right? <clears throat> because I'm about to command you. I want to make sure you understood. First Timothy six seventeen is for you. Okay. So he says, First Timothy six seventeen, command those who are rich. Oh, going. I might as well quit now. Y'all playing around, man. Y'all want me to preach it or not? Okay, press on to hear this word here. Okay? So wake up, everybody. Wake up. So command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly. Come on. So what are we going to command you? Here, here's the further command. Let them do good that they may be, that they be rich in good works, in philanthropy, ready to give, willing to share. See, now don't be some fool sitting up here talking about, well, one, you know, one day when I get rich, I'll do that. 
No, you are rich. You're still, you're not catching it. You are rich. I ain't got no money. I don't got but $40. Do you know what, even with $40 to your name, you are still in the top 1% of the world? Of the world? I'm talking about of the world. There are people in this world who, 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 who if you gave them $1, they, they would probably dance for an hour and a half. Yeah, but I got bills to pay. I got bills to pay. That one dollar ain't gonna pay them bills anyway. <laughs> See, the problem is you. Oh Jesus! You keep looking at what you have versus what you gotta do. Then you. You, you, you making yourself or judging yourself where you are based on what you have. But we already read Luke 12, 15. Jesus says your life does not consist in the abundance of the things you possess. You are, you are not valued by what you have. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, y'all got to work with that on your own. Y'all work with it. Okay. Storing up for themselves in verse 19, a treasure, a good foundation uh, for the time to come that they may lay hold of eternal life. All right. So I told you already, giving is the cure for uh, covetousness and it's the prescription for happiness. <clears throat> so giving is not a, a happy subject. Is it? I mean, people already get on edge when I start mentioning money. You already get on edge and clam up on me. People already, you know, I'm going to go to another church. They don't talk about all the money all the time. Yeah, but you, you talk about it all the time. Let's be, let's, let's be honest. Let's be honest. You don't want the preacher to talk about it all the time, but you talk about it all the time. When you at work, I want to make more money. You at home, I wish I had more money. I need some more money. But come to church and the preacher is going to talk about it and you get upset. All the Lord's talking about is what you're talking about. Right? But it's so funny. How many of y'all been in church for a long time? long time? Tell me if I'm wrong. Why is it that Come offering time, we have to play happy music. I remember being, being in church, man, as a kid, and even young adult and being in church, and, and you know, call them offering time, and the musicians still playing something like, you know, we say, no, 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 put on, we, we need some giving music. Play some giving music. Y'all ever heard that phrase? We need some giving music. We need some giving music. Y'all whole group grew up on that. What was giving music? We need some hype to hype, boom to boom to something that's going to get you kind of okay. As if people are going to go, you know what? I, I, I think I'm going to pull out a little pimp. And it never happened. Because people already, already had their envelope out. Or they already had their $2. Giving music never increased the offering. 
if that was the case, boy, we'll buy giving music tracks. It works in a grocery store. Come on now, in the, in the grocery store, in the mall. They don't play elevator music. <laughs> right? They don't put on the slow jams. They play some hyped up, hopped up music because... They, their, their plan is to get you to spin, to spin, and people do it. Boy, you see that? Ooh, God, that look good. That look good. Boom, boom, boom. But come to church, where we're gonna give something. They can play all the music they want to. But. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Listen to me very carefully. Last week, something broke off this church. I, I saw when it happened. Right mid-message, I saw that cover the spirit just lift. It broke right off here. I knew it right in my spirit when it happened. So I'm not talking, looking, talking to and looking at covetous people in this place. I'm not. I'm looking at people who are free givers and you don't need a bunch of encouragement. No, you want to bless people. You want to advance God's kingdom. You want the gospel message to go out. Glory to God. So we're in line to receive something great. All right. Now, let's look at uh, Proverbs 23 real quick. Proverbs 23 verse 7, verse 6. I want to just do a quick comparison here of a miserable man versus a happy man. Miserable man versus a happy man. Do y'all know any miserable people? Yes. Unfortunately. Proverbs 23, <clears throat> because we already know it's, it, it's uh, Jesus says more blessed to give than it is to receive. It makes us happier to give. Okay? So Proverbs 23 verse 6 says this. Do not eat the bread of a miser. See that word miser. Nor desire his delicacies. Verse 7. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart, his heart is not with you. So again, don't eat the bread of a what again? Miser. Now, you know miser. Miser, I told you, told you last week, is the, is the root word for the word miserable. Miserable comes from the word miser, okay? So, this miser, it says, verse 7, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So, how does a miser think? He thinks miserly. You look it up in the, it's, it's a word. Miserly is a word. Miserly means stingy. It means cheap. <laughs> um, please do not get offended. I'm going, I'm going to give you a word. I'm going to give you a word. I don't want you to get offended by this word. 
is not the word you're thinking about when I say it. I'm just going to give you a synonym for the word miserly. I better spell it first. N-I-G-G-A-R-D-L-Y. It's the word niggardly. It's not the word you, you're thinking about. You're thinking about another word. You're thinking about. It's not that word. <laughs> they are related. But it is not that word. We don't use that word, do we? But this word niggardly means stingy. Some of y'all looking it up, aren't you? <laughs> it's a real word. It's a synonym for miserly. So miserly, it says, for as he thinks in his heart, or as he thinks miserly, so is he a miser. So as he thinks in his heart stingily, cheap, you know, uh, cheaply, so is he. He's a cheapskate. He's a, he's a stingy person. He doesn't give. And there are other synonyms you'll see in there that will talk about, uh, you might even see the word Scrooge. Do you see that when you look it up in there? Scrooge. How many of y'all remember the, the, the Christmas carol, whatever it was? The Scrooge. What not, you notice he wasn't just a cheapskate, but he was a, he was a mean person. He was miserly. He was an unhappy person. So even from, even without reading the Bible, if we just use context clues of that person, we could see that a stingy person, a cheap person, a, a miserly person will never be a happy person. They will always be a miserable person. And so because he was miserable, he tried to, he wanted everybody else to be miserable. He hated seeing other people being happy. Are you, am I right about it? Okay, now let's go to Psalm 112 and let's flip the script on this here. Because we're not that miserly person, are we? No, 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 we're not covetous. We're not stingy. We're not niggardly. We're not cheapskates. Penny pinchers. Selfish. All right, Psalm 112. Y'all know this one, right? Let me get to it here. Psalm 112. Okay, praise the Lord, the Bible says. Okay, it says blessed. Now, we don't have it on the screen here. I can't show you this, but Amplified will use the word happy. Right? Happy, fortunate, to be envied. Right? Some of y'all have Amplified it here. So we can say happy, praise the Lord, happy is the man. So we, are, we just saw a miserable man, but notice this here is a happy man. And so happy is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. Now, I want to know why is this man so happy? When I read this whole psalm here, I want to know what, what makes this man such a happy man. Is he happy because of what he has? I got to find that out. Because we're going to find out he's a wealthy man, but is it, is it the wealth that's making him happy? No. 
He's got wonderful children, but is that what makes him happy? No. That's, those are the effects or the results. Those, those things are the fruit of the thing that makes him happy. Because I'm going to watch this. Watch this. Look, look here. Let's see what makes him happy. Look at, I'm going I'm to just skip around here real quick. Watch. Verse 4. <clears throat> verse 4. Part B. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man deals graciously and lends. There you go. I'm giving you the reason why he's such a happy man. Because he's a gracious man. He's a compassionate man. Which means he sees other people in their, in their affliction and he meets their needs. Y'all got it? He deals graciously and he lends. Not, not, not loan shark lending. Not loaning somebody money they got to pay me back. This word lending literally means he gives with no expectation from, any, from anybody. Are you understanding this here? All right, here's another, another one. Look down at verse 9. Verse 9. He has dispersed abroad. He has dispersed abroad. It means he's sown his seed everywhere. Then it says, he has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. So then it's torn to be exalted. But those, those first three, dispersed abroad, given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. This is, these are things that, are, that make for happiness because we've already established that it's the giving that makes you happy. Am I right about it? Okay. All right, now, <clears throat> so, praise the Lord. I got Elmo backing me up today. <laughs> All right, now, so he's happy. Everybody say he's happy. Okay, now, good, look in your Bible at Proverbs 21. It's taking me a little bit longer today because I don't have the help of the screen. I got to find these scriptures along with you. Proverbs 21 and verse 25. Are you there? It says, the desire of the lazy man. Do I have any lazy folk in here? No. Y'all Sure. Okay, the desire of the lazy man does what? Kills him. For his hands refuse to labor. Now stop right there. Now look, look up here. So this lazy man, his desire, he has desire, but it's just too much for him to do something about it. So I don't want anybody around here talking about I don't desire stuff. You everybody desire stuff. There's nobody on this planet that don't, I don't, I don't desire. I don't desire all that. Shut up. I don't desire all that stuff. You do. You're just too lazy to do something about it. I'm not, I'm not, I don't mean you. I'm talking about y'all know somebody I'm talking about, okay? He says, for his hands refuse to labor. Watch what happens. Verse 26. He, this is the same lazy guy. With desire, 
He covets greedily all day long. He desires. But he'd rather wait on, you know, welfare or wait on, you know, somebody give me a little handout, little check, you know, whatever. Ready for his girlfriend to do something, you know, whatever. He ain't going to go work and make nothing happen, though. No. He's going to wait around. <laughs> he goes from just desiring to coveting. It says he covets greedily. All day long thinking about what, I, what he want, boy. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's got that play next to you. Watch this. Watch this flip side. But the righteous. So this, this lazy man ain't righteous. He's covetous. He's refusing to labor. He's unrighteous. The righteous, though, gives and does not spare. The righteous gives and does not spare. He's not coveting all day long. He's not waiting on a handout. He's putting his hand out. Now, I want you to see again, this man back in Psalm 112. Y'all didn't lose that, did you? Y'all lost it. Psalm 112, this is this man. Y'all remember what I'm preaching about, right? The picture of happiness. I'm showing it to you right here. Because some of you, you just, you, you, boy, I want you to be happy, man. You, know, you get, you don't, look, you don't, you don't be happy, man. You, you don't wrinkle up too fast. You don't, you don't be all wrinkled up. <laughs> you don't need these wrinkles, man. You be 45 with wrinkles. Okay? So this man, I want you, I just wanted to establish this is a righteous man. That's what I want to establish with that verse here. Okay? Now look, at, look back at Psalm 112, verse 2. His descendants will be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. So notice this state. He's, his, he's got uh, blessed children. This is good. I'm showing you a picture of a happy house. Blessed children. Okay? Let me keep going here because I dealt with that Wednesday night. Verse 3. Wealth and riches will be in his house. As a matter of fact, if you look in your Bible, the word will be is italicized, which means if you take that out, uh, wealth and riches in his house. Sometimes as you read, it'll say wealth and riches are in his house. Okay? So, second symptom of this uh, blessed life, this happy man's life, is that we see he's got more money than he can do, than he knows what to do with. Because a giver never runs out. Tell your neighbors, givers never run out. <laughs> this is good here. Some of y'all sleeping on me, but I'm telling you this is good. I'm, I'm giving you the answers to your problems right now. Givers never run out. Well, how do you know that? Because the Bible says so. Jesus says so. He said give. And it shall be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, running over, running over, running over, running over, shall men give into your bosom. 
Right? So if I'm a giver and Jesus is not a liar, then a giver should never run out. Well, I know he's not a li- he's not a liar. Okay. I know he's not a liar. So if I'm running out, see this is hard stuff. Well, I'm taking we're taking the brakes off here. We're gonna take off take off the gloves now. <laughs> I'm gonna give a pastor. You can't say I'm gonna give. I give and I help all kind of people. I'm, I'm giving. Okay. Are you giving properly? Are you giving as the Lord instructs? Come on, there it is. There it is. Because Isaiah, we went over this uh, last year. I taught on this during that. We had that three-night uh, meeting last year. And we went over in Isaiah where the Bible says the Lord teaches the, the farmer how to, how to farm. He'll teach you where you plant your seed. He'll teach you when to do this. He'll teach you what to do. He'll show you. He'll instruct you. You have to let God put purpose in your heart. And stop um, uh, shotgunning your seed. <laughs> Hey, my goodness. Hallelujah. Y'all know what I mean by shotgun and buckshots. Them, you shoot it and the bullets just go everywhere. They go everywhere. They just, you just, you hoping to hit something. Tell your neighbor, say, say don't be mad at Pastor. He's telling you the truth. All right. So notice again, wealth and riches shall be in his will be in his house. Okay. So more money than he can spend. More money. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. I'm just telling. Now, see, some of y'all are like, "Well, I've been giving for two weeks, and ain't oh, it's gonna take more than two weeks to get to this point." I commend you on that, but it's going to take a little longer. I understand. I mean, my wife and I have been at this for years. This is years of, of faithfully doing this this way. Hallelujah. And no stopping. All right, now. Notice what it says here in verse 3. And his righteousness endures forever. His righteousness endures forever. In fact, look at, please, uh, verse 6, part B. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. Look at verse 9, part B, or C. His righteousness endures forever. So we see three times in this psalm that it says his righteousness endures forever or is remembered. 
Now remember I, we, I showed you in Proverbs 21, verse 26, what constituted the righteous. You remember that? Let me remind you. He said, the righteous gives and does not spare. So when, when we say here, his righteousness endures forever, we're not talking about because he went to church every Sunday. We're not talking about because he treated, you know, people right and, you know, was nice and, you know, never kicked a dog. His righteousness endures forever was talking about his righteous acts. He's a giver. And it says it endures forever or it will be in everlasting remembrance. So another another clue to knowing whether you are in this or uh, I, no, I don't mean to say that. Let me, let's start over. Another result of you being a non-covetous person, of you being a real giver, another result will be that people will always remember you. Givers will never run out and givers will never be forgotten. A giver will never be forgotten. In fact, one, one of the things that, that, that uh, as, as a pastor, that I am endeavoring to establish in this ministry is legacy. But with legacy, to be that, that, we, that we mean something as a ministry. That if we ever, if we ever shut down, would the city miss us? Are you understanding? That if something ever happened, would, would, would people say, oh, man, you remember that church, man? They used to be, oh. Because, you know, churches shut down every day in America. I have more news for you. People die every day in America. And some people, people die, they, they die and nobody remembers them. It's like, but other people, when they leave, yeah, I mean, y'all ever read the scripture, the memory of the righteous is blessed. You ever read that? The memory of the righteous is blessed. And many times we use that because we're faith people. We quote, our, quote that scripture because we're like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go senile. I'm not going to have dementia. I'm not going to have Alzheimer's. I'm not going to be forgetful person. So we say, oh, thank you, Lord, the memory of the righteous is blessed. Yeah, we can use that. But within context, within context, what that scripture means is that nobody will forget a righteous man. People who are givers, who are righteous people, who do righteous acts, people cannot forget you. And if you want to be a person who makes a mark on this planet, if you want to be a person who is memorable, if you want to be a person who will deeply be missed, and you, don't, you won't need a headstone to, to mark you, you, I'm talking about leaving a mark on people's lives that cannot be erased, you have to become a person who says, God, I want you to use me to be a distribution center for the gospel. I want to make a difference in people's lives. So that if I leave here before Jesus Christ comes, may the works I've done speak for me. Some of y'all would remember that. May the works I've done speak for me. Let the works, we used to sing that. People, people at, at funerals, we get somebody and say, let the works I've done speak for me. And they ain't done much. They just died. And what they're talking about, let you know how I, you know, I came to church every Sunday. Let the works. That ain't your works. 
What he's talking about, ladies and gentlemen, is what do you do in this world? What mark are you making on this world? When you leave, will people even remember who you were? Will they miss you? Can you imagine when Job was attacked? Remember Job, J-O-B? When Job was attacked, the Bible talked about how he lost all his, his cattle, all his you know, sheep, all his animals, everything. He lost you know, most of his servants. You know, there'd always be one more to come and tell him, hey, we lost everything. He lost all of his sons, lost all of his daughters, and, and then his wife went buck wild. He didn't lose it. He held on to her. But he said, you sound like a foolish woman. You know, so. But can you imagine the people who were praying for Job? What you mean, Pastor? Because if you read the book of Job, besides chapter 1 and chapter 42, if you read chapters 2 through 41, you'll find Job was such an extraordinary giver. He said, I never saw the widows. And I didn't take care of them. He said, when the poor had a need, he said, I always reached my hand. I always blessed them. So Job had laid up something for himself. That even when he lost everything, God remembered his offerings. <laughs> and God, God, God couldn't afford to let Job leave the scene. What you mean couldn't afford? Well, doesn't your Bible, we read an Amplified Bible about God loves a cheerful, prompt, a joyous, uh, prompt to do a giver whose heart is in his giving. He's unwilling to abandon or do without. There are some, some people that God cannot do without you. I better come over here. There are some people that God says, I can't do without you. There's no way I'm going to get my work done on this earth without you. I got to have somebody who I can, I can get some money into their hands and get some money through their hands to bless people. So you'll always be remembered. The righteous will always be remembered. Are you hearing this here? Don't, don't die and mean nothing. Don't die and mean nothing. When you die, because you know, unless Jesus Christ comes, you're going to die. Pastor, that ain't faith. If Jesus Christ doesn't come, <laughs> before you hit the you're going to die. It might be at, a, at 110, 120, whatever you, whatever you got your gaze set on. If he doesn't come before then, you're going to die. Let's just face it, okay? Praise the Lord. No time soon, but it, it will happen unless Jesus Christ comes. So when, when that happens, let it, let it be that it meant something, that your life meant something, that somewhere between 19, you know, 63 Dash, not, you know, 2043. Make the dash mean something, man. Make the dash a fill in the blank. Fill in that blank with something. Fill in that, man, I blessed people. I took care of people. I was a giver. I was significant. <laughs> so givers will always be remembered. Can I look at something here? Look at Mark 14. Mark 14. Man, I got to hurry. Mark 14. Thank you, Lord. 
Is my living in vain? Is my praying in vain? All right. Mark 14, verse 3. Are you there? Am I wasting my time? All right. All right, Mark 14, 3, right there. Okay, it says, and, see, and being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard. Oh, then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. Now, what is she doing? She's bringing an offering. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, why was this fragrant oil wasted? Now she's bringing her offering and they're saying, why was her offering wasted? Isn't it interesting how people will see your offering? Get your own offering. Watch verse 5. For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii. This is expensive here. And notice, notice them with their noble mind. Given to the poor. And they criticize the giver sharply. When you become a giver, get rid of people to criticize you. I'm just telling you, you stupid. Verse 6, but Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a what? Good work for me. Watch verse 7. Watch verse 7. Y'all got it? Verse 7. For you have the poor with you always. And whenever you wish, you may do them good. Whenever you wish. He said, the poor you're going to always have with you. He says, but me. Everybody say, but me. But me. <laughs> Here, just, just a side note. At least he excluded himself from the poor. Just for all, all the religious people in there. He said, the poor you always have, but me. Y'all missed that. The poor you always have, but me. See, he's over here. This is just further proof to us. Jesus Christ was not poor. He didn't consider himself poor. He says, but me, you do not always have. He says, she has done what she could. She has come before him to anoint my body for burial. Verse 9. Now watch verse 9. Oh, surely I say to you, Wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. How y'all know that's true? I'm doing it right now. He said, this giver will always be talked about. So somewhere on the continent of Africa, or on Europe, or in Asia, or wherever across the world, somebody is talking about this woman all the time. Because she brought such a precious and costly gift and offering that other folks criticized. But he said she's going to always be remembered, because givers will always be remembered. Y'all got it? Go to the book of John, please. Book of John. Watch this. So y'all know Jesus Christ isn't poor. He wasn't poor. All right, John 12. Watch John 12. Verse 3. Everybody say, same story. John 12, verse 3. It says, Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, 
anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Now watch this. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, who would betray him, said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? See, he said the same thing these other guys said. Verse 6. You can highlight verse 6. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was, it, what was put in it. So here he is concerned about somebody else's offering How come y'all, don't you hear people say all the time, how come so-and-so bought a jet? People, they could have fed all kind of poor folk with that jet money. Not because you really care for the poor, but because you're full of covetousness. You're a thief, you're a robber. How come they, people, people get mad at you if you spend 50 million to build a church? How come they spent all that money to build that church? They could have they given that money to help. Oh, they could have fed all kind of poor folk with that money. Not because they really care for the poor. It's because in their own heart, they're thieves. They're God robbers. That's right. That's right. How come so-and-so got to spend $5,000 on a suit? They could have fed all kind of poor folk without five thousand dollars. Come on, sir. Not because they really care for the poor. They're covetous. They're the same folk. If they won won fifty million in the lottery, you wouldn't even see them in church no more. They'll be gone so fast. Given to the poor, they wouldn't be giving no poor folk. They wouldn't be doing nothing, nothing of the sort. They'll be done, bought them a five houses all across the country, got them five different cars, and took all their family out on a worldwide trip around, you know, to Disney World, Disneyland, Disney China, everywhere else, and be broke in 10 years. I know it's right. I've heard stories from pastors, you know, who's, who people in their church won a lottery. Made all kind of promises. Oh, we're going to get a church. Oh, we're going to do this. And didn't do nothing. Yeah, I read that lady. We gonna, lady got big, big money, some big settlement. I'm gonna buy the church. I'm gonna, well, she's gonna buy. We're gonna re-carpet the whole church or something like that. Buy all the chairs, whatever. We never, we never saw a penny of that money, and they never saw her again. See, if your heart is not already rich toward God, when you get money in your hands, it'll be gone. But when you are already rich toward God, when you get real money in your hands, you're going to be a money mover for God. You're going to bless people, but guess what? You are going to drive nicer, and you are going to live nicer, and you are going to dress nicer, and you're going to have some stuff. How do I know? Because 
me go back to Psalm 112. Let me let me just I'm gonna just finish this here, boy. Let me just finish this, here, boy. Because because I want you to see this, this. I want you to get used to this. Tell your neighbor, get used to this. No, tell them real real strong. Tell them get used to this. Because you about to hit this category right here. This thing is about to hit your life. What pastor's talking about is about to hit your life. All right, y'all got Psalm 112? Yeah. Put your finger there and go back to Mark 10. Go to Mark 10. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You're about to shift into a whole different category, Jasmine. <laughs> y'all hear what I'm saying to you? That, that covetous spirit, when it got broken out of here, it was... <laughs> I remember when I was flying back from... Um, uh, Oregon here a few weeks ago. Flying back from Oregon. Let me tell you, boy, that was like, I, I, I used to be uh, fearful of flying. Yeah. You know, I, I would, thought we weren't made to fly. If God wanted us to fly, he would have given us wings. <laughs> that was my mindset. Until I got married, when I got, my wife and I got married, May 27, 2000, and we, my wife wants to go, we're going to go to New Orleans for our honeymoon. And, but we're not going to drive. Oh, God. Well, I can't really express to her that her strong new husband is scared as a kitty cat of flying. So I got I to gotta brave this. I'm, I'm praying. Oh, boy. Oh, no, boy. Help me. And that's, that's I'm not even praying in tongues. I don't know nothing about praying in tongues yet. I'm just, oh, Jesus, oh, Lord. <laughs> Help me now, oh God. And so my, my wonderful, loving, caring wife, uh, we get on a plane and she does what she does. We haven't even taken off yet. We're still on, on the tarmac. She's asleep. So now I got to brave this whole new world, just me and Jesus. I'm looking out the window like, oh, Jesus. I, I need the window seat because I got to be turned this way. Oh God. oh God. I'm serious. I'm serious. I was, I was, I'm, I'm afraid. And so, uh, I mean, it was like this so much. We, we got in New Orleans, right? And having a good time, boy. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to get back home. I'm trying to figure, cause I'm not getting back on that plane. I'm trying to figure, can I rent a car and drive a car back? Cause I did this once. I'm not doing this again. I'm serious. I mean, I'm enjoying New Orleans. We're eating and going everywhere and everything. But as the day came closer to us to leave, I'm starting to get a, my stomach is bored because I got to get home. And so, and so, but I brave it. We get back home. And so the flight was uneventful. Just take off like you take off. Land like you, like you land. Nothing in the air. People all have these stories. I never had anything. And that was 2000. And up until this year, I have never, ever had a negative experience on a plane. But a few weeks ago, we're going to, to Oregon. And I'm talking about this turbulence. I've heard of it, but I had never experienced it. I mean, the kind of turbulence, by now I'm praying in tongues. The kind of turbulence that... Oh, oh, I feel it in my stomach. Boy, I'm like, oh, God. You know what I mean? When the back of the plane drops, boom, like that. I'm 
like, what is this? And it's funny because I, I was meeting uh, my spiritual dad out there. We were going to preach together in a conference. And it, when we met, we met in Atlanta. And he tells me when he got in Atlanta about his plane, they had, they had turned like this on him. Because they actually got too close to another plane. And I mean, their plane like flipped. And I'm like, whoa, that's the devil is a lie. That never happened to me. I say, hey, you the apostle. That's why, you know, you strength. I'm serious. I'm telling him, you know, that. I don't go through that kind of stuff. It was devil, you know. So, but I did. All of a sudden, my next flight, boom, that thing is rocking. And, oh, they like, put your seatbelt on. Yeah, no dog. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to keep my lunch down is what I'm trying to do. Praise the Lord. So, coming back from uh, Oregon, we, I flew back into Atlanta. And we're going to fly back in, into Tampa. And, um. Uh, and uh, there was a storm in the area, so we couldn't, we couldn't land. So I'm, we're flying, all of a sudden, I know there's a plane that does like this, and we start circling around. I'm like, what is this? So I'm, I'm thinking, I hope y'all got gas in this joker, because we because <laughs> I got to get home. And uh, we're circling, and it was like a half hour, just circling. I'm like, oh, man. And finally, they came over the, over the PA and said, Hey, we have been cleared for landing. And I said, praise God. <laughs> boy, when that plane got on the ground, boy, I was thanking the Lord that I still had my, all my contents on the inside. <laughs> and we landed. I told that story just to tell y'all, that's what happened last Sunday. We got cleared for landing. Yeah. Everything got moved. So everything that God has been circling has had everything has been held up for us. The runway has been cleared. Everything you've been praying for, believing God for, your harvest you've been expecting, it's on the way. Prepare yourself to receive the mighty harvest, the mighty blessing, the mighty breakthrough, the mighty prosperity, the wealth and the riches and all the abundance God has for you is ready now to come into your life. Give God a shout about that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's been clear. See, it's, it's been turbulence up there. It's been, it's, been, it's been spiritual warfare up there in the heavenlies. All of the angels of, of the enemy have been trying to hold back, but God has released his angels, his prosperity angels to go forth and war. And that's what all the turbulence has been about. That's why you've been rocking. That's why you've been reeling. But it's over now. It's over now. It's about to land now in your life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Some of y'all been feeling that. Some of y'all been feeling that turbulence. Whoa, whoa, what is that? What, what, what bill was that? Lord have mercy. What happened? Where that come from? Boom. It's been warfare. All you do is keep your seatbelt on. It's time for all that to land now. I'm telling you, I saw it in the spirit when it broke last Sunday. Oscar, I'm reminded, I was reminded the other day. One day I was, the Lord showed me a vision. I mean, this is such a realistic vision when I saw it. 
I saw right over where you don't, don't sit down there and just stand up. Right over about where y'all y'all are sitting. The Lord showed me this y'all better get ready to jump. It's for all of us, but I'm just telling you where he showed me. He showed me in the air a cluster. You remember the children of Israel went into, into the promised land and brought back those grapes? The grapes were a sign of prosperity. They were so big. God showed me. See, the rest of y'all, rest of y'all around there crazy because I would have been standing up too. He showed me a, a cluster of grapes so big suspended over this church. It was right about right about above y'all head. And Lord, what is that? That's my prosperity. I'm placing over this church, over this ministry, over my people. And if you are ready to receive it, you're about to enter into your promised land where you're going to have the grapes so big, it's going to take a whole bunch of y'all to carry one bunch. Hallelujah! We receive it, God, today. Now, that's where it was, but it's the whole house. All right, now, sit down, sit down, sit down. Let me just tell you this. I, got, I just got to make sure you know this. I got to make sure you know this here. Because like I said, this is now. If you can receive it, it's now. This is not, this is not boy, one of these old days. This is now. You went to Mark 10, right? Verse 30. Matter of fact, I want you to start in verse 29. Y'all got it? I'm going to let you read it. By pity, folk who just, you ain't paying attention to this right now. Mark 10, 29. Are you there? Yes, sir. Read it. All right, now, wait, wait. Are y'all at verse 30 now? Okay, now get ready. I want you to listen. Pay attention to verse 30 here. Keep going. Okay, now watch. Watch this. Watch this. Because I saw a big cluster of grapes. This, these, this, I mean, each grape looked like it might have been like that big. Each grape, not the cluster. The cluster was huge. In other words, it was too much for Angie and Oscar. This wasn't just for them. This is, I'm talking about, this was, this is, this is, uh, this is too much for all of us. That, see, that, that's why you got to already be a giver. Because if, if, if you think it's just for you, you'll hoard it. As opposed to all of a sudden you start blessing. So in verse 29, no one who's given up, what does it say? House? Is there an S on the end? Okay. Houses in the King James. But in New King James, house. Okay. It's single in King James too. Okay, that's what I thought it should be singular. Okay, house. 
29. I'm talking about 29. I'm on verse 29. House. Okay. So then 30. Houses. Right? Singular to plural. Okay. Now notice he leaves out in, in 29. He says father or fathers. In 30, there's no father. Because you're not going to gain more fathers. You have one father. Y'all got it? Father literally means source. Father literally means source. I mean, even in the natural. In the natural, father is the source. That's how children are come. They have to be fathered. There's the source of everything. So God is going to still, he has to be your source. So don't ever forget that. But then in verse 30, he says, uh, was it, give, give me these, what he goes through here. Houses. Houses. Is that plural? Yes. All right, keep going. Brothers. Brethren or brothers, brothers. plural. Sisters, Sisters plural. Mothers. And mothers, plural. Children, Children that's plural. And, and lands, plural. Keep going. What? With what? Persecution. Oh, persecutions is also plural. Oh, see, we've always looked at persecution. What is that persecutions? Okay, you think about it. When you had just house, it was persecution. When you was all sharing just one car, it's persecution. When you was carrying that same one purse you had, it was persecution. <laughs> you had one good pair of shoes, persecution. <laughs> when you was just, when you were small, when you were still in the giving, sowing process, when you were sowing in tears, it was persecution. People were criticizing you sharply for your seed. Persecution. But when the harvest comes, and it's now houses, and lands, you got cars, purses. Y'all hear what I'm saying? You got more than more than you need of everything. Now it now now you this one. I'm telling you, you got to get ready for this because it goes now from persecution to persecutions. So the persecution will increase at the same rate as the blessing in your life. That's why I'm telling you, you got to be able to handle that. And of the persecution is, is, I don't want to say killing you, is, is getting to you now. You will never be able to handle persecutions. Because the more God puts into your hands, the more your crooked family and your crazy friends and your unsafe coworkers who they know they work the same job you work. 
See, now they, they're just talking about you going to church all the time. But the day's going to come, they're going to be talking about, well, they're doing more than that and just going to church. They're probably flipping. When I say flipping, some people don't know what I'm talking about when I say flipping. They think about flipping real estate. I'm talking about flipping the real estate. It's rocks, but it ain't real estate. <laughs> they, they, they doing something underhand. They doing something crooked. They, they, they back in the game now. They don't went back to trafficking, Shantae. They don't know you ain't doing, doing nothing but trafficking seed. All right. Okay, go back to Psalm 112. We'll finish this last verse. This is it. Psalm 112. Because I want to show you this is what it looks like here. So I hope you're ready for this. Oh, man. All right, remember verse... verse um, let me go to verse uh, 6. He'll never be shaken. Verse 7. Won't be afraid of evil tidings. Heart is steadfast. Heart is, is established. He will not be afraid. So notice he has no fear of any kind. No fear of any kind. That's a picture of happiness here. No fear of any kind. Now, remember I just dealt with persecutions. This is what I want to show you, and then, then I'll quit here. Verse 10. Verse 10. The wicked will see it and be grieved. They're going to see and all that stuff, and they're going to be grieved. Because they know they, they work, and they got more degree than you have. They know they're better qualified. <laughs> they know they got a better credit score. They know they've been on this job longer than you. He will gnash his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked. Now what do the wicked desire? The wicked desire to see you lose it. The, des the wicked desire to see you fail. But it says, the desire of the wicked shall perish. That means that nothing's going to stop, nothing's going to prevent you from manifesting the fullness of what God has in store for you in your life. I'm talking about if you're a person who you're not covetous anymore. And I, I just believe by faith, I'm talking about everybody here. I know, I know it's most of you because I, I saw it lift here last Sunday. But I'm believing every person in this room, you have already qualified yourself to walk in a level of financial prosperity far beyond your own human imagination because your heart is now right and ready for God to lavish abundance on you so that you'll not be a selfish Greedy, miser. You'd be that person who God can depend on when someone has a need. Somebody else has been praying. They're on their last leg. 
desperate. God, if you don't move my life right now, I need something to happen. We heard a testimony about that. We dropped those things off to that, to that program the other day. They told us about a uh, lady who had said, she said she was going to find a church and pour herself on the altar. And she was just going to give everything. She, she was on her last leg. Homeless. Has nothing. Just pour. She said on her last leg. God, if you don't do anything. See, she's praying. Well, God doesn't himself come down. No, he finds one of those joyous, prompt to do it, cheerful givers whose hearts are in there giving and says, hey, go do that over there. Who you're not thinking about, well, if I do that, I'm not going to be able to buy school clothes for my kids and I'm not down there. No, no, you think about that. You think, you think about, all right, God, if you tell me to do that, man, you got, you're just going to keep on increasing me more and more and more and more. See, if you want to truly be happy, this is how you get there. And you're going you're gonna to be the kind of person that when you leave, you, they might have ran out the dome for your funeral or something, boy, because, <laughs> because people are going to, people will grieve the fact that you, you're gone because they're going to remember your righteous acts. When you get a chance to read for, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and you read from verse 6 down through right about verse 12, Paul talks about how when the Corinthian church says, when you give, he says, it's going to bring thanksgiving in the hearts of those others. It's going to produce thanksgiving in the hearts of others. Praise the Lord. And they're, he said, and they're going to always pray for you then. They're going to always pray for you then. Because they know, praise the Lord. That's why I know Job had people praying for him. And you know what happened to Job, right? God restored everything to him. Blessed him double everything he lost. But it's because he was a giver and he was happy. Amen? Stand to your feet. Let's close out. I hope I've... Um, been able to clearly give you over these last several weeks um, some marching orders, a charge, a command to not just inspire you and make you, you know, give you wishful thinking. That's not, God is not about wishful thinking. <laughs> we don't get anything by wishing. We receive by faith. I hope you grab that scripture today in Revelation 2. You are rich. You are rich. You are rich. And as soon as you can grab a hold of that, rich can manifest. Listen, you, you know, there are people, when you get born again, you know, when you, the moment you get born again, you're made righteous? You know, there are people who've been saved for 20 years and don't know that they're righteous? They're still working, trying to become righteous. But yet the moment you got born again, you were made righteous. You don't have to work to become righteous. You are righteous. That same righteous gift 
the Bible calls it in Romans 5.17, the gift of righteousness. The same thing you received is just like how you received healing. The moment you got born again, you became totally healed in your body. It's right anyhow. With the stripes you were healed. Same crucifixion. The same process made you healed in your body. If you don't know that, then you will, you will allow symptoms to tell you what you are as opposed to allowing the word to tell you what you are. I was in my office this morning before I came out looking at an old photograph of my family when I was about three or four years old and my father and mother all sitting there in, in the room, the old newspaper article from years, that many years ago. And I thought about the various issues in my bloodline. And I had to remind myself, that's nothing to do with me. It's nothing to do with me. See, the moment I got born again, I had a blood transfusion. <laughs> I got new blood. I'm, I'm in the family of God. I'm blessed. The same way, that's why Jesus Christ said to that church in Revelation, the church of Smyrna, I know about your poverty, but you're rich. Because the moment he died on the cross and you received that, you became rich. Now, what has prevented many of us from receiving is that issue of pleonexia, that covetousness. But we've been healed of that. We've been cured of pleonexia, of covetousness. And so we can receive and manifest what God has for us. Grab hands with that neighbor. You're holding the hand of a Psalm 112 person today. Of a blessed man or blessed woman who fears the Lord and delight greatly in his commandments. You're holding the hand of a righteous man or woman. You're holding the hand of a very rich person. <laughs> a very rich person. The next time the devil tells you, ooh, you poor. Say, Jesus even said, I know your poverty, but you are rich. Okay? Now, Father, we're asking you today <clears throat> to seal in our hearts what you have spoken to us over the last few weeks. That God, you desire us and did everything possible everything that, that was needed for us to be happy. So God, there's nothing more you have to do. Your works were finished from the foundation of the world. You've already done everything. You sent Jesus Christ. What more can you do? You died, went to hell, rose again. What more needs to be done? But our receiving. Today, Lord, we receive all you have for us. We receive the revelation of our prosperity, of our wealth, to know, Father, that Lord, that no matter how things look right now, according to your, work, to your word, in other words, the way you see it, we are rich. And God, 
More importantly, thank you that in this house you have helped us to become rich toward you. That Lord will not store up for ourselves and try to attain, obtain just for ourselves. We don't even have to do that. You said all these things will be added to us. But we'll be eyes and ears in this earth, hands in this earth, that whenever there's a need, whenever there's a, a direction to bless, we'll bless. Thank you, Father, that, Lord, you've given us various ways to increase, to prosper. Thank you that, God, we can sow seed and we can bless the poor. Thank you, Lord, that we'll be able to do both. And, and God, thank you that, God, you, because you bless us so much, we'll never even even ever have to feel condemnation or guilt because we're so blessed. So many times that happens to people in the body of Christ, Father, that people get blessed and things happen and they start to feel guilty because they're blessed and there are people that are poor. No, because God, we're meeting the needs of those who are poor. Hallelujah. And God will be so blessed that we can bless people all around and still prosper and increase in ourselves. You said, Lord, we'll be those ones who scatter and increase more and more. Thank you. I pray you, that you look upon and see every heart in this room. Search our hearts. And God, as you find hearts loyal to you, begin to release from heaven those gifts. Thank you that God Everything is clear now for landing. Thank you that through all the turbulence you've kept us, through all the ups and downs, the ins and the outs you've kept us, through all the rough spots, through all the seasons of heaviness you've kept us. I even pray for those right now who are going through a season of heaviness right now this moment. That God, you should them through that season and know that God, it's only a season. And that season, it has come to an end and that, God, they're moving into their time of flourishing. We have come into that era of flourishing. And I decree and declare right now, abundance, 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 overflow, overflow in our lives. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise glory and honor for these things we pray in Jesus name so be it amen, amen. if you agree with all that give God a big shout and a hand cup of prayer